Hello, folks. Welcome to the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and we are on a mission to unlock human performance. That's right. We build wearable technology across hardware and software and analytics that is designed to understand the human body. That includes things like strain and recovery and sleep. More recently, we've been emphasizing respiratory rate as an important marker. You can read more about our COVID-19 research and respiratory rate if you check out whoop.com slash the locker. I've got two amazing guests today, and we will get to them in just a second. First, I want to remind you that you can get 15% off a Whoop membership if you use the code WILLAHMED. That's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D. Now, many of you may have seen a lot of the different partnerships that we've been announcing at Whoop. It's been a crazy busy time. We're working with lots of different sports leagues and organizations to help them go back to work uh, safely and uh, with the right health monitoring data. And the LPGA is a proud partner now of Whoop. So we've become the official wearable of the LPGA. And I today have two amazing ambassadors for the LPGA, Jessica Corda and Nellie Corda, who are respectfully, 17 in the world and two in the world on the LPGA. That's right. They're two of the best women's golfers and they're sisters. We cover what it's like for the two of them to be very close friends, sisters, and growing up competing against each other at the highest level. We talk about how their parents have played such an important role in their careers and their lives. They are the daughters of two professional tennis players. Uh, notably, Peter Corda won the Australian Open in 1998. Uh, so it's a super athletic family, and they talk a lot about the mentality and the attitude that their parents had in, in helping them become successful. We talk about uh, their routines and their habits, some of the things that they've done that have kept them successful, how they manage stress. We go a lot into their WHOOP data. Jessica specifically has some freakishly high HRV statistics, and, uh, and they both have, I think, a really thoughtful attitude towards WHOOP data and, and how to use it. We talk about other athletes who have inspired them and what they've learned from various competitors across all of sports. I think the two of them are really bright, really balanced, and have a great down-to-earth attitude for being uh, the best at their sport. So without further ado, here is Jessica and Nellie. Nellie, Jessica, welcome to the Whoop Podcast. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be on here. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I've admired the two of you from a distance. I, I feel like you're the, the trailblazers right now in, in LPGA golf. Uh, Jessica, I'll start, I'll start with you. Did you always know that you wanted to be a professional golfer? Once I started playing golf um, more seriously as a junior, I did. Um, I qualified for my first um, Women's Open when I was 15 in 2000. Which is wild, by the way. That's yeah. pretty wild. It was really cool. And so I kind of got a taste of the big league really early and I so desperately wanted to be out there. And so I did. <laughs> now, having two parents that are professional athletes, I feel like that's got to help. That's got to help the mindset of I can be a professional athlete. You tell me. I think it just helps in like the guiding aspect. Um, you know, they 
uh, know more about recovery and they know more about travel and the stress of being a professional athlete. At the end of the day, it's the work that we put in and, um, you know, our drive, their drive doesn't, for us, obviously, doesn't really make a huge difference. But um, it's the behind the scenes stuff that I think really helped helped us and still helps us um, as professionals. Now, they were both professional tennis players. So was there a little bit of a nudge to go down the path of being a professional tennis player? No, we were very lucky. Um, they All they wanted us to do was play sports. So as soon as we started walking, we were on skis, we were on skates, we were in gymnastics, in ballet, playing tennis, playing golf, just literally anything to get us out of the house, get the energy out. And so we come home tired. <laughs> I mean, I, just from following the two of you on social media, I feel like you're running around playing sports all the time. Is that, is that fair, Nelly? Yeah, I mean, we're all very active. Our uh, little brother, he's two years younger than me. He plays professional tennis. So occasionally we try and get out. Um, Jess, she actually just moved over or a year and a half ago or two years ago. She moved over to the other side of Florida. So we're originally from Bradenton, uh, Florida. And uh, she also like also plays tennis now. And it's great like um, to do it as a family and to stay active is definitely great. Now, Jessica, you are 29 and ne- or 27, excuse me, and Nelly, you're 21. I was like, don't age me yet. No, I'm still 27. <laughs> so let's get this straight. So when you're 15, uh, you're playing professionally. Nelly, you're nine years old looking up to your sister, seeing her playing in the big leagues. Were you like, I got to get the hell out there? Was that pretty motivating for you? Um, yeah, I mean... So we were actually looking at some photos like yesterday. She got a photo of me um, from her first U.S. Open. And I was like, I didn't realize how actually young I was when she played her first U.S. Open. And it definitely, you know, gave me motivation because she um, got her LPGA tour card in 2011. And um, then I qualified for the U.S. Open in um, 2013 when I was 14. And I think that's kind of like where I decided like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And and you beat your sister by a year, right? You, you qualified a year sooner than she did. Well, so. well <laughs> her birthday is actually July 28th. Yeah. So US Open lands on July 5th usually. So it was like right before her birthday. Okay. Okay. So it's so sort of like you're both 15. I still, I still win. I still have the 14. Yeah, she still has the one four. <laughs> now, how do the two of you balance, um, you know, cheering for each other with wanting to, like, kill each other? You answer that. <laughs> uh, I think it's actually, like, a really good blend of competitiveness and also being there for each other. I mean, whenever one of us is down, like, we're always there for each other. But also, at the end of the day, we do want to beat each other. I... Like my favorite stories, possibly my rookie year, we were playing in somewhere in Michigan. I thought, I think Ann Arbor and I'm on 18 and just has a great last day. Like probably she's Cleared like, it. like back pro- door top 10. Yeah. Like I'm so nice. happy. And I look at the leaderboard and I have like a really hard breaker left to right. And I look at my caddy and I'm like, I'm going to make this because we were tied and I was going to knock her outside the top 10. And I, <laughs> I do is look at my phone and it just says in text, F you. <laughs> so 
funny. I was like, you're paying for the hotel this week, you little bitch. I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was so funny. But I mean, we'll like, she was in the final uh, group in Singapore in 2018. And, you know, she was really nervous. And so I kind of gave her a pep talk. But right as I was about to leave the locker room, I turned around and I go, oh, by the way, I'm coming to get you. Like, I, love, I love that. It's very healthy, but it's also like fun for us, you know? Now, uh, as I understand it, the two of you have played together as teammates as well. Talk yes. about that experience. It was so fun. I mean, I was really nervous because I knew what was on the line. You know, if we didn't play well, we would we would definitely hear about it. And so <laughs> yeah, we would definitely hear about it. Um, and so it was a little nerve wracking at the beginning, but we just had so much fun. We were able to feed off of each other so well and knowing your partner as closely as we know each other, when you get down, it's really easy to bring that other person up because you know exactly what to say. And I feel like only family would be able to kind of be there for you. And then obviously in the, the height of the success was it was just great to be able to share that with my little sister. And I always dreamed of doing that when I started playing professionally and played my first Solheim Cup and my sister was out there and I was like, I need you out here so bad. I was like, I don't know what you need to do, but you need to be out here. Was it, was it cool for you too, Nellie? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I think what made it a little easier is that, like Jess said, we know each other so well, so we were comfortable. And our games are really similar. And playing that team event together, you have it's kind of hard when someone like pairs you up with a girl that hits it shorter. But we we have such similar games that it was so much fun because it was like we weren't even like playing together. You know, it was it was just so easy. Now, when you say you have similar games, it's similar yardages, similar styles, similar swings, all that? I wouldn't, I mean, everyone says that we have similar swings, but no, we, we kind of don't, don't see it. it. <laughs> um, we, have, we have very similar strengths. We're, um, basically, we hit at the same distance off the tee. She um, overpowers, Jess overpowers me <laughs> off the tee. That's sure. kind of the big sis move, though. That seems like kind of on brand. Yeah. But our irons go pretty much similar. And so it's really easy to like club off of her or, you know, if you're in between yardages playing alternate shot, you can always bring the other person in and say, Hey, I have these two shots and we play so much golf together that it's almost like, I know how she would hit it. She knows that how I would hit it. And so we can kind of communicate like that and really just bounce off of each other. It's, it's really cool. It's very, that special. is cool. That seems really cool. Okay, now I, I've got some some interesting research here. This is a, a phenomenal story, if this is true. Um, I'm looking at uh, the 2013 U.S. Open, Jessica, and at at the turn of the this is amazing. At the turn of the third round, you fire your caddy and pull your boyfriend out of the gallery to caddy for you. Is this an accurate story? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so so unpack that for me because that's that's world class. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as in if you were in an office, um, you bring in your your employee and you have multiple talks of what you expect and a job that needs to be done, and you're a team out there and under a lot of pressure when you're close to the lead at a U.S. Open, and it was also the first time you know I was able to qualify for the. Uh, Solheim Cup so I had, there was a lot riding on that week and 
I was like, listen, you need to be a team. And that's just something that wasn't happening. And I had multiple talks, not just with um, my caddy, but also the rest of my team. And um, it wasn't working. And I was like five over through nine. And then, you know, I made the or shot, I think, one or two under on the back nine and felt a lot better about it. I caught a lot of heat for it. But at the end of the day, um, that caddy and I are on very good terms. We go to dinner. Uh, every time we're paired together, we're, you know, it's, it's a great pairing. We text each other here and there. and There's no hard feelings at the end of the day. It's a job. That's cool. You know, it's interesting, like, and having interviewed uh, and gotten to know a lot of uh, professional golfers, it's, it's interesting to hear how much of a team um, sport you guys think of it is, you know, and, and from, I think from the casual observers standpoint, or even a, you know, a fan of golf, it seems very much like it's all in your hands. Now, what's an example of what a caddy could say that could get that person fired um, in the middle of a round? It's not necessarily. It's actually what you you don't say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there were just mistakes that were made, and obviously, I was super young as well. So having somebody to lean on is is really big, especially in those moments where you haven't been in that situation yet. As, yeah. As Young, as a young golfer or a young professional and so it was more just about the stuff that wasn't said and how just in the sense I was alone out there you know and it's you need that guidance sometimes um yeah there wasn't enough of a feedback loop like yeah I mean you know everyone's different about what they need and when they need it um and this wasn't like a it was just that week, you know, it was, it was multiple weeks. Um, but like I said, him and I are in really great terms. He's a good caddy. It just didn't work out for us. And that's yeah. fine. I think finding a caddy is like harder than finding a spouse, quite honest with you. <laughs> Seriously, we spend, it's a like, relationship, yeah, we spend really. nine to 10 hours with them daily, seven days a week, you know, and we're out on the road, like 25, 26 weeks out of the year. And you're just like, yeah, by like that third or fourth week, you're like, okay, I'm ready not to see you for like a week. <laughs> Do not text me. Do not like. I will see you in two weeks. <laughs> now, the boyfriend comes in under the ropes. Was he ready for that moment? Oh, yeah. He did great. Wow. I, I See, I always wonder like, okay, say you had just thrown, like if I caddied for you just, and we had, we had never like met before and all of a sudden I'm caddying for you in the US Open, like how many strokes do you think I cost you? I'm like a three or four handicap, you know, cursory, cursory well, understanding of the greens. Can you add and subtract? I can add and subtract. Yeah, I caddied as a 15-year-old. Can you figure out where the wind's coming from? Yeah, okay. I can do that. Pretty, pretty solid. As long as you can have a conversation with me and kind of keep me distracted, kind of how it is. So, so, but you make it seem like it's not as, uh, it's not as big a deal then. It's more, it's the gelling of the two people, the two personalities. So it's mostly chemistry. On a golf course, like we go through the highs and the lows and you have to match two personalities up. How would you deal in a low situation? You know can they say the right thing at the right time? Um, it's really, it's tough to find the personalities that gel. That makes sense. Okay. Now, Nellie, when did you first start, start wearing whoop? So I actually started wearing it last year, I think April time. So I don't know if you know, Ryan Ruffles. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, 
we were actually really good friends and he was like wearing it and he was showing me like all of his numbers. And I'm like, what is that? That is so cool. Like, how do you know how many calories you burned and how you slept? So he, he told me about it and I got it right away. And, uh, yeah, I, I, and then I told Jess about it because she saw me wearing it and then she got into it. And then I just saw it all blew up. Like every golfer was wearing it. And I was like, kind of cool <laughs> and I was like what is this contraption you're wearing tell yeah. me everything about it and I love the feedback that the world gives especially the recovery I think I mean I had like 29% recovery yesterday and like when I woke up I was like okay I'm, I'm like fine but then as the day went on I was like oh my gosh like I am so tired like I feel it it's pretty amazing isn't it oh it's it's been so cool for me to see it explode in golf and uh and obviously, we just announced the partnership with the LPGA, which we're very excited about at Whoop. Have you seen a lot more women wearing it? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of athletes are wearing it. I mean, like every photo that like all the LPGA girls post, and now everyone's going to start wearing it too. So I think a lot of girls are already wearing it, but I feel like it's just going to grow more and more. It's also cool because it's, like, uh, it's a good conversation starter as well. So it's like, you know, what hand do you wear it on? What's your recovery like? Have you dabbled <laughs> on bands? What's your HRV? What's your HRV? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's just fun. What's your lowest recovery? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of good talking points. I was just at the Memorial Tournament uh, with a lot of the guys on, on the PGA Tour. And it was funny sitting at a table with these guys and watching them all take out their phones and, and start talking about their, their whoop data. It was a little surreal for me. Now, uh, Jessica, I understand you have a freakish HRV. I do. <laughs> I don't understand how, why, what, but I have a really high HRV. I think like the highest is like 270, like, nine maybe yeah that's very high yeah i mean on a low like today i'm low and i'm at 163 yeah but my low is like 63 <laughs> i'm missing the one <laughs> yeah well i mean yours is still pretty high too uh nelly through that lens i mean yeah. so so uh I, I got a couple write-in questions here justin thomas asked me to to ask you you girls what kind of um interval training you've been doing to make your H hrvs so high he gives me a really hard time about it because like, I just don't get it. I told him, I was like, maybe you should just start running, you know, interval runs. Like you get on the Peloton app and just start running interval runs. <laughs> and, and he's not competitive at all. So I'm sure it doesn't bother him. Oh, no. Not. <laughs> we, we have a group chat going and every time I hit a new personal record, they just send me just like wings. They're like, you're not, you levitate when you sleep. There's no way that like this is real. So who is on your, your whoop team? So we have actually one that's really cool is myself, Nelly, um, and our brother. Which he's new. He and just got it like yeah. last week. And I feel like he's probably into it. His resting heart rate is like 33 and his HRV is like 220 average right now. So, so you guys just have great genes. You're, you're like a very healthy, fit family. I'm like the middle odd child out because like their HRVs are so high and I'm like, well, what about me? And then their like has resting heart rates are so low. And then mine's like 52 average and my brother's is like 32. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, why don't I have these numbers? <laughs> you, you, I think you're second in the world right now in, on, in the LPGA. I think you're doing just fine, Nelly. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
competitiveness you're like I want my numbers to be as good as theirs you know she's literally texting me she's like what did you do like did you do something different I need to know okay so you're on a, you guys are on a family team together are you on teams with other athletes um yeah I on a team with like Ricky Justin um Bud Colley um Smiley uh yeah that's cool it is it is cool and what have you noticed about um, different like workouts, things like that from, from wearing Whoop? I actually got pretty sick in early February and my numbers were so out of whack. And it took me almost two months to get back to like a stronger HRV. And like I've been dabbling, let's say with some magnesium, um, just some different like recovery stuff, especially this, you know, quarantine. Cause I've been going to the gym a bit more just to see what it also does to my numbers. Um, and it's just interesting to see the results, which you put into your body. And there's, there, these are results that you can't physically see, but you can see them obviously, um, thanks to the whoop. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the most important phenomenons about whoop is that we're measuring things that effectively you can't feel. And how do you know if magnesium is good for you or melatonin is good for you or, you know, fill in the blank, all these different things that you guys are probably doing to your body or taking or trying? Yeah. I mean, I just put in like travel and just to see into my journal, yeah. just to see what travels like too. I haven't been on an airplane since December. And not sleeping in your own bed. I have that too. Yeah. Sleeping in your own bed, sharing a bed, um, that kind of stuff. So it's like, you just see how your, my sleep has been a bit off as well since I've left the house. Um, I can see like my disturbances have gone up because all of a sudden I'm like hearing things that normally I would. <laughs> um, and you're just not in like the comfort of your own home. So it'll be interesting to see our numbers these next two weeks and how maybe we settle into tournament life again. I feel like our numbers though are pretty good. Like my numbers were always pretty good during tournament weeks because you know you make sure you go to sleep at a certain hour and you get enough rest even though you're waking up super early so i feel like during tournament week we're really like diligent with making sure like our bodies are recovering yeah it's interesting the golfers i know on whoop uh really get a lot of sleep i mean like there's a big focus on sleep from you all which is cool you know i think it's because we're out in the sun all day and that sun just drains so much energy from you and being on your feet like not many people think like yeah you know tennis like if i've had like let's say a tennis player goes out and walks 18 they are absolutely exhausted while obviously if we do their wow. uh workout then we're exhausted too but it's just so different and golf is actually so exhausting when it when it's like tournament play that no one like really realizes it well, it's also really uh, mentally strenuous, right? Like, what's what's the strain of a uh, U.S. Open round versus the strain of a practice round? It's a lot higher, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's just the the stress too. I mean, our jobs are not secure, you know, and, and you always know that we play for our jobs every year. We play for a paycheck every week. Um, and so obviously like the stress of that, wanting to win golf tournaments, being up top on top of the leaderboard and just like, you, you know, you know, you know what you want to do and what you're kind of expected to do. And then you kind of have to go and do it. Now, who did, who did you look up to Jessica when you were coming up? 
I mean, we're close to the same age. I'm I'm 30. You're you're 27. Uh, did you idolize Tiger Woods? Yeah, big time. I was one. Of, I I'm not the the Tiger kids. So that was it, my. Yeah, we're that age where he was like amazing at a time where athletes have a huge influence on your life. Yeah, he was. He definitely. I always. Every time we turned on golf, we were watching Tiger dominate, basically, and reading, you know, all the books that were out, um, whether it was on his training or, you know, and obviously you don't actually know exactly what goes, <laughs> but you have a you have a you know general idea. Um, so definitely somebody that I I still look up to. Well, I think he he definitely inspired uh, our generation, especially through through a professional golf lens, to be a lot fitter. I mean, you look at uh, professional golfers today, both on men and women's tour, they just look a lot different than they did, you know, fifteen years ago. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for for the um, the men, it was definitely Tiger pushing the envelope, and for us, it was Annika. She she's the one that kind of started to really work out and push that envelope in women's golf. Yeah, that's right. Now, what about Michelle Wee? Was she a thing at all? I mean, I remember reading about Michelle Wee, uh, and I feel like she's around the same age as me too. And she was sort of this like, uh, you know, phenom of sorts. Yeah, she's married, has a cute baby, um, might possibly be coming back um, to play in some events. Um, but she's she's happy. That feels like a case, and and this is amazing because it didn't happen at all to you guys. But it feels like a case of too much success, too young, or too big of a spotlight, too young. You know, and in some ways, I wonder if if because the two of you come from a family of professional athletes, and like maybe you had the right sort of upbringing around that kind of success. I think, I mean, I can't really speak for her because obviously her experience has to be is completely different to ours yeah but i mean her spotlight started i think at like 13 like i can't imagine being a 13 year old girl and having all these media outlets writing about me and all these expectations of like this is the next you know female tiger woods yeah because when you kind of like get into it you read it all and you read you even though you like you shouldn't you still like really like invest some time into reading all this stuff and you're a young girl too trying to figure out what you like what you know who you are and you know i don't know if that happened or not but it was more like people telling her who she is but i think she's she's had a good career she's a great person um one of my friends for sure oh cool um, learned so much from her um she took me under her wing um, I kind of second year on tour and, um, we were Solheim cup partners as well. And now she's, she's going to be the assistant captain at Solheim, which I'm really excited about going to make her run and get me smoothies all day long. Nice. Um, so yeah, you know, I think she settled into a career and she went to Stanford and I think she got to do a lot of things that she always wanted to do, you know? Yeah, that sounds like a good outcome. Now, when you're like 14 or 15 and you're at that level and you have a really bad round, uh, we'll start with you, Jessica. Like, what, what was your, what, what would you do after that? Would you go talk to your parents? Would you sort of just sulk in the corner? Would you break your clubs? What was your sort of mindset of? Definitely not breaking clubs. <laughs> it's not the club. I honestly, I didn't talk to my parents. My parents talked to me. Okay. And- 
Um, it was usually like, what was the learning experience from that? And obviously at the time they tell you everything that you did wrong, which you're like, I just, you know, can't do anything right. But in the big picture is they're trying to push you to look at yourself from a bigger picture and not just the smallness of you shot 77 or 82 or whatever it was. Let's see what you did wrong so we can get better at that and move forward. So to try to be reflective, also introduce some level of perspective, maybe some gratitude for the fact that you're even in that moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the time, it's always hard to look at it. You know, it's always hard to look at. Oh, I'm so grateful to be in that position. I mean, the amount of times you finish second, third, um, you had a chance to win, whatever it is, you always want to win, right? So kind of stepping back and at the beginning of the week, would you have taken this outcome? Like, yeah, I guess it's not bad, but you always want to win. And that's the competitor inside of you. But you always have to appreciate the small milestones that you hit along the way. That's good advice. Now, Nellie, if you if you had a bad round age 14, 15, would you go talk to Big Sis? Would you talk to your parents? No one? I don't really remember talking to Jess a lot about it. I was gone. Yeah, Jess was always on the road. Uh, when I was younger and playing like local tournaments, my mom would be with me at a lot of events. And then obviously as I got older, I started traveling. So my dad was with me, but I would say the same as Jess. You know, they talked to us. So those um, to ref- they were, used to always say like look in the mirror and see like what you did kind of wrong you know yeah like the reflection of the mirror is basically the only truth yeah. that you need to know like you have to face yourself yeah and um, so I mean it, at when it like happened when you didn't have a good round you were like oh like I don't want to do this like you were like so like you don't you didn't want to do it but then now looking back, I'm so grateful that my parents like did have those talks with us because we wouldn't be where we are without them. Yeah, totally. And and did you did either of you have a, a sort of a true coach along the way, or was it was your parents more of the coach? We kind of had a few growing up. Um, pretty much the same coaches always, actually. But our dad was definitely always really involved. Um, he's a good golfer himself and he's definitely like, even when he played tennis, he was a very like talented feel based player and he can, they can both, even my mom, like they can just both see if something's wrong. So they were kind of always our like go-to second set of eyes, yeah. always our second set like, of eyes. I still, to this day, like I, before I left Florida, I asked my dad to come out with me for nine holes and just to see where I'm aimed and to look at my swing and look at my putting because no matter what, like I still love his opinion and I still go to them for everything. He's also brutally honest. Yeah. So like <laughs> if, if he really doesn't like something that you're doing, oh, he has zero issue telling. So, and same thing with our mom. I mean, if she really, if they really don't like something, they're not going to sugarcoat it. They're just going to come out and just blatantly say it. It's great because our parents are such a great mix. Like my mom is really into like health and like fitness and taking care of your body. And my dad is obviously more of like, he looks at our golf and works with kind of like our trainers. Like we're always a team, like very family oriented, like whoever we work with coach fitness, it's our whole family's like, our parents are really involved, which we love. Because we want that. I mean, if we didn't want that, we would tell them they would step away. But because we always ask, and things like Nellie says she brings 
dad out to watch her swing. I send him videos or I'll FaceTime him from the range to look at certain things. And he has, he's known us since we were little. So who better to kind of be our second set of eyes than someone that's seen us grow through everything. It's so interesting. I mean, what you described sounds super healthy. And I find, I find the whole parents of really successful professional athletes quite interesting because it does seem like there's a few different paths. You know, you, you take like the, the Williams sisters, for example, um, Serena and Venus's father, I think he was known for being like a real hard ass, like, and really drove them to, to be who they are. And then you look at, you know, you look at a model like, um, like Patrick Mahomes's father or, uh, Steph Curry's father, right? These are also freakishly good athletes, but it looks like they had more of an experience that sounds more like yours, where it was, you know, someone was kind of in the back seat, was always there when you needed them, um, and had that that sort of feel for what it meant to be a professional athlete. Yeah, I mean, our parents have a great feel of when to push and when to step back, and I think that's. I don't know if that's because of how they grew up or, you know, what they did as athletes, but they always know when they need to step in and say something where they do need to be kind of not aggressive, but like just brutally honest. I think that's, that's the word brutally honest and when to kind of let you be and tell you that you're doing it, doing it right. And I think they started doing that more when we got on tour i think when we were younger they were kind of like you know pushy like i didn't want to go to the rain sometimes i feel like you have to practice like they would they would keep us yeah they were strict but it was like back then i would like say like oh i'm not like hanging out with my friends i'm not doing all this stuff but i'm so glad i made those sacrifices and that they pushed me to do what i do because we both wouldn't be where we are without them. I always say that I stand like firmly behind that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful for everything I went through. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, what's, what's like an example of some super blunt feedback? I mean, honestly, like sometimes, especially younger, let's say I didn't want to go practice or I didn't want to spend the time and they would come home or I would come home after an hour and a half and I'd be like are you serious do do you think that that was enough like that's not enough you need to go back out there and you need to grind like you're in a stage where you need to grind and and that's where I was scarred and I was like I'm gonna be there for three hours (laughs) she would hear these conversations that like I would have um but like I said it was never they always it was always our dream to it's our dream to be where we are but they just knew how to push us the right way push the right button and just have the like very specific feel of when tough love needed to happen and when kind of like the coddling needed to happen but like there's like if you ever look at great athletes their parents are always really involved and yeah i, I agree that, with that there's not there's I feel like there could be a few that like their parents are involved but all the great athletes there when it comes to tennis I mean you can see during grand slams like so many of their parents are still sitting in their boxes and watching every single match I think there's a big I think it's even a bigger phenomenon with individual sports yeah yeah for sure because I think at a team level you start to have other people in your life who can be mentors and and 
whereas that individual aspect of the game, it's just it's a slightly lonelier thing, I think. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like I the happiest I've been is on tour is when like Nelly came out. And Charlie. Our, our my dog Charlie. I said our dog, my <laughs> dog Charlie. It's our dog and we're on tour. <laughs> And and so the dog will the dog be out there on the course while you're playing or that's not allowed? No, 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 no. He chills in the either at daycare or in the room. Um but I look up like all the dog parks and it's just a great distraction. Um away from the golf because you know when you come back into your room and let's say you haven't had a great day, you know, it's the love, the unconditional love and happiness that your dog brings. It's almost like just washes all the stress away. Yeah, and they don't care what kind of day you have. They're going to be happy to see you yeah. no matter what. Now, are the two of you doing strength training? Yes. What kind of yeah. stuff do you like to do? I like to train with my trainer five to six times a week. That's strength. a lot. Yeah, but I just feel like when I don't, my body falls apart. Like I feel really good when I do that. And I've been with him for about three years now, and I think we've come up with a really good plan that keeps my body as healthy as it could be during throughout the season. But I also love to do cardio. Like, I love to run. Which no one ever says, okay? No one I ever love, says that they love to run. People, peop, I sweat a lot, and people ask me and they're like oh like do you like to sweat a lot I love to sweat like I love when I'm dripping sweat because I feel like I'm doing something like I like to be active and I like to just I don't know I guess put my body through a lot <laughs> so the, but that's an endorphin rush I mean that's what sweating does yeah well she sweats more than anyone I've ever met like her and I will be doing the same workout I'm same dripping. intensity same everything she's like got drops on the ground I'm like what are you doing? I'm fine. I'm barely sweating. <laughs> you drink a lot of water? Um, that is something I struggle with. I don't drink a lot of water. I'm trying to improve that, but I don't know. It's just like, I'm on her. I'm like, yeah. did you drink? Did, did you want some water? Can I get you anything? <laughs> it just sucks when you always drink water. You know, I just like can't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always drink. I always I'm always drinking water. People in my office make fun of me for it. She like doesn't drink carbonated drinks ever, no. and like she stays away from sugar. My she's she is more like my mom in terms of like being a complete health freak in a sense, but she enjoys herself sometimes. Oh, yeah. I love. I definitely have a sweet tooth. My dad has a big sweet tooth. Definitely got it from him. <laughs> Chanelle's the type of person that'll like look at some a dessert and she'd be like you should get that <laughs> like what do i have <laughs> like, oh, you should get that and i'm like no my butt's already big enough like i don't need to get that you can go get it but the thing is i'm like so how does it taste like yeah just like 20 questions she's like is it really good can i smell it <laughs> oh but so, so you'll just get her to eat it but you're not gonna you're not gonna engage i love i, I like for that I love it. Like, I'm definitely, like, if I could, I would eat sweets all the time. I mean, like, you can. You just I mean, have to. I, I guess fruit. I, I eat a lot of fruit, so, I mean, in a way. <laughs> That's eats, my sweet She tooth. eats fruit sub and pretends she's eating a donut. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and Jessica, you're, you're in the, the weight room, too, as, as often as Nellie? 
I, yeah, I work out five to six times a week, but I add cardio into that. So out of like the six days, I might do two days of cardio. Um, I'm really, really big into bands. Um, I've had a couple injuries through my career. And so I do a lot of body weight stuff. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been working with um, Colby for two and a half years now. And um, we've tra- definitely transformed my body. Um, a good bit now do the two of you compete around that stuff too like will you be like i benched 75 <laughs> pounds today nelly we, <laughs> uh, we have just such different workouts like if she did my workouts she would be sore and when i went over to the um other side a few weeks ago yeah. a week two weeks ago i did one of her workouts and i was like holy moly i am so sore <laughs> they're just, just different workouts like it's built to our bodies yeah it's really important to have a trainer that builds a program to your specific body because no two bodies are the same same thing like no two swings are the same and you need to find a trainer that trains you for you and not like their own agenda and i think that's where you really find the greatest trainers do you feel like lifting weights has actually made you hit the ball further or do you think it's more of like the recovery factor and like not getting injured? I think it's more of like not getting injured. Yeah. I don't think I've like hit the ball the same distance throughout the last couple of years and I've upped like weight in the gym. Yeah. But I feel like I've gotten like stronger. Definitely my core back is very important in golf. I would say the control in my swing yeah. has maybe gotten more consistent um, because I can hold that position. I mean, if you look at golf, I don't feel like, you know, that's a natural motion necessarily. And it's so one side dominant. And um, plus when you're tall, yeah, your swing gets out of whack so much because, we, you know, you play in wind, you play in, you play in golf courses where you don't have a flat lie all the time. So you're always adjusting. Yeah. And the two of you are tall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are. Okay. Now recovery. What kind of stuff do you like to do for recovery? Oh, I love recovery. I could be like, I deem myself the queen of recovery. I probably own every hyper ice um, thing that is out there from the form. Yeah. Norma tags, foam rollers, um, trigger point balls, uh, just about literally just about everything. Okay, so will you do those before rounds or after or both? Um, I foam roll before a round and I do some activational stuff um, before the round, especially for like glutes, core, and shoulders. Um, And then after the round, I have like a warm down um, routine. And then I get into, I take a shower, get into my Normatex, I'll foam roll, um, trigger point, whatever it is that I feel like I need. Usually we travel with um, physios. Uh, so they also take care of our bodies. Uh, but now with, with COVID and them being stuck in Australia, we kind of don't really have a choice there. <laughs> so we really got to do it ourselves. Yeah. And our parents have always made sure, like they always say, invest in your body. So even if it's, you know, physios are like expensive to a certain point. So they've always really stood behind really investing in our bodies. So because you want to have a long career and you don't want injuries. Well, that's the, that's the new age of sports that we live in. I mean, the thing that we got right with whoop is we, we saw this sleep and recovery movement coming. 
you know, way early. And, and in 2010, it was all about, can you do a two a day? Can you do a three a day? How hard can you train? In 2020, it's all about, you know, what kind of supplements you're taking, what kind of recovery techniques you're taking, how long you sleep. You know, the poster children for, uh, for careers now are people like LeBron James and Tom Brady. And, and the narrative isn't just how good they are on the field, but the narrative is like what they're doing you know, off field and, and how they're sleeping and how they're thinking about, about recovery. And I think that, that your generation is going to have much longer careers than your parents' generations. I think, I mean, yes, I agree with that. And, but on the other side, I think we also pound our bodies more than the older generation. So, I mean, especially it's a great take. Yeah. I mean, we, we put more strain on our bodies because we are in the gym more and we are doing other things more. Whereas, you know, let's say a Jack Nicholas back in the day, you know, wouldn't be going out to work out. No, they didn't know what the gym was. Exactly. <laughs> so they, and same thing with tennis. I feel like, you know, if you look at tennis back in the day, it was way more artistic. Um, there were more shots being hit. There were, it was different, right? Same thing with gymnastics. Um, it's more power. Everything now is is power. And so I think that we also put our bodies under more strain. So we do need these recovery techniques and we do need to push kind of the quota a little bit um, because it is different. We just, we put our bodies in different, under more strain, I feel like. Nelly, same for you on uh, those recovery modalities? Yeah, I mean, I, I do the same stuff, but I mean, I feel like, back in the day, everyone was like this skinny, like they were so skinny. Like, even if you look at like tennis players, because, you know, we grew up watching a lot of tennis, they're still skinny, but they all are, have super strong legs. Like, it's just like the body types have really evolved throughout the years when it comes to sports. And I think I kind of agree with Jess. Yeah. We put more strain on our bodies, but because we have those muscles, we are not getting injured as much as let's say they would in the past. That makes sense. Now let's talk about the mental side. We'll, we'll start with Jessica. Jessica, what are you doing mentally uh, to stay focused out there? Do you, do you have any habits, any visualizations, meditations of sorts? Honestly, for me, it's routine. Uh, every time I speak to kids about, you know, stress or pressure or whatever I always say if you have a routine that's muscle memory and it's something that you can always rely on so I literally will do the same thing in the locker room I will walk out around the same time every single day I will have like the same warm-up routine same thing when I go and um, routine and superstition yeah super <laughs> I have a lot of superstitions too but we won't get into that Nelly, but, what's the goofiest superstition Jessica's got I don't even Gosh. think she knows. I wouldn't know. I don't know. But I do know one of my brothers, when he won the Junior Australian Open, he ate the same meal at the same restaurant seven days in a row. And my dad is the same exact way as my brother. That's like, kind of amazing. Like, yeah. Not that bad. Like I have a superstition. Like I always have three teas in my hair. And once I break them, then I can refill them. And my caddy knows now too. So he just hands <laughs> them out. I have two teas in my hair and one in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, see, like, it's just like stuff like that. And I think it comes 
like warming up to you're like okay i want to do the same exact thing like i had a good round yesterday like it's just how it is <laughs> it's just something you rely on and muscle memory and it almost is automatic and you don't think about the other stuff like you know what the round might mean or it, focus. you just focused on doing that specific thing at that specific time all right, what will you do if you're leading a tournament and it's uh, Sunday and you have to tee off, what, at 2 p.m. or something like that? Like, it's there's a lot of time to kill. What do you do that morning? Hang out with Charlie, go for a walk, maybe go get a coffee somewhere, wake up late, try to wake up late. Sometimes it's so hard to sleep because, like, you start thinking about it. Um, I like to just kind of hang out, maybe watch a little bit of TV, um, foam roll stretch, kind of get my body ready, make sure it's loose. FaceTime a friend. Yeah. Our parents. Our parents. <laughs> Try not to think about it <laughs> as much will, as you Will the two of you talk to each other? It's more feeling out what that other person kind of needs. So if I know she needs her space, I'll just be like, you got this kick ass, you know, I'll be waiting for you after. Um, but then if like, I know she's not doing well, we'll have like a little bit of a pep talk, but I mean, at this point I'm like, kick ass. Like you got this, you know, exactly. Take names. Yeah. Is it ever a situation where you're both, you both kind of need a little bit of support and like mom will go with one and dad will go with the other or something like that. That's major. So usually when both of our parents come out, my dad's with Jess and my mom's with me. Like I, I'm always, I'm very much so like attached to my mom, I guess. Like when I'm playing golf, like when she's at tournaments, like I need her there in a way. So has mom travel more. Yeah. So like I, I fly her out all the time. When I was eight, seven, when I was on tour, my dad traveled my rookie year. But then, I mean, you have, he has two young kids at home that, you know, need both of their parents, especially in crucial times. And so I was sent out on my own at 19 and traveled on my own until Nellie joined the tour. And I mean, they came out to majors, but I, so I maybe saw them out at events like four times a year at the time, three times a year, actually, because we, no, twice a year. Yeah. And like we fly our mom out because my dad is my brother's coach so they're together all the time and um it's just nice to have our mom out too she keeps everything really organized too like i just i never forget anything when she's there Nellie's the queen at forgetting stuff <laughs> it's not that i want to it's just like i have so much going on in my head that when i get there i'm like god <laughs> mom can you go back to the hotel can you go get my yardage book please <laughs> I, I know that feeling all too well. Who are some people or influences that, that the two of you have, have looked up to? I mean, obviously your parents have been a huge influence on your life. What about outside of that? Really? I mean, it is, it is our parents. I, for example, I love like Lindsay Vaughn's drive. I mean, how many more times could she get up after falling down? And those are like, those are crashes. That's something that would scar just about anyone. And you know, yeah. every injured, um, she would pick herself up, work even harder, put herself back up on the mountain. It was kind of around the time when I was getting injured a good amount. Um, and so I kind of, I almost needed that inspiration to look up to someone to continuously pick myself up, dust myself off and keep going. I love Tiger and Rory. <laughs> That's like my two. 
go to. But actually, Lindsay Vaughn followed Jess on Instagram, I think like a year ago. And I don't think I've ever seen someone so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So I've never geeked out about meeting anyone. I'm like totally fine. I'm like, hi, how are you? I met Lindsay Vaughn. And to this day, people make fun of me for it because I was like stalking her with like puppy eyes. And she's like, hi, how are you? And I literally barked out like, hi, can I get a picture? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that is one one cool thing about uh, the time that we live in and that everything is so connected. I mean, the two of you probably could reach out to any athlete right now. And there's, you know, a high likelihood you'd be able to get in touch with them just through social media and and anything else. I mean, I've, I've experienced this through whoop where it's incredibly cool. The people I've gotten to meet just through, uh, social media and people wearing whoop. And, and in some ways that's how the three of us met. Well, yeah, cause I had no idea how to like contact you, um, to ask a question. And I was like, Hmm, let's see Instagram. (laughs) What are my reply? (laughs) And they're very high. Yeah. It's a great platform for sure. And I love that like other athletes are helping other athletes. I think that's, it's really important. Yeah. Especially cross sport. Cause it seems like all you can do is learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now professional golf is actually quite collaborative. I've found like, I've been blown away by that. I've sat at a table with, I don't know, uh, Tony Finau and John Rahm last week, and they, they were talking about like how they can improve each other's sleep and stuff. And I, I found that pretty cool that these are two guys who later that day were like the top of the leaderboard and, and they were actually trying to give each other advice. And in the world of tennis, I've seen it's actually not like that at all. It's not collaborative at all. And it seems almost closed off. And so I'm curious in, on the LPGA, what's the vibe? I feel like, we haven't been out in so long that yeah. we don't know. <laughs> but tennis, you always like have, I feel like it's secretive out there, but you always have like a team. You always have a physio, like one physio. Like for us, we share a physio with five other girls, you know, and out there it's like the physio only works with that one person. The coach only works with that one person. It's always just like about the players. So they're always in their own little bubble. Well, for us, like, our, my coach works with Jess, like he would work with maybe someone else. And we're like, okay with that because like our, I guess our bubble, like we obviously like to keep stuff private, but it's not so closed off like tennis. I think also tennis, you play against that person. And we play against the golf course. Yeah. Kind of in we, I can't affect anything that my opponent does. Maybe. I mean, you can kind of <laughs> learn my opponent too, but at the but end of don't. the day, like, you still have to make putts, you know, yeah. you still have to hit fairways. You, it, you are your own playmaker. Whereas like in tennis, it's more one-on-one, like head on. Um, and I mean, if we were a match play, like maybe it might be different, you know, maybe. Uh, Solheim Cup. Yeah. I mean, we don't talk to the Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. Well, my, my daddy, his fiance was on the European um, team. So we did, we were we, friendly. Uh, no, we're friendly, we're but we're friendly. not like, sitting in each other's team rooms no, during yeah, the week obviously. and like you know <laughs> chatting about our our day mm-hmm. we're we're in our own our own team room what's been your lowest recovery on whoop and why mine was four percent and it was when i we're not sure if i had the flu if i had coronavirus or whatever but my resting heart rate's usually like 45 lower and at the time it was 90 and i Whoa. was 
30% and my HRV was like 32. No, wow, my 19, excuse me. Those are big deviations from your baseline. Huge. So that's my lowest. I think for me, it's like when I've traveled overseas and I don't get enough sleep on the plane. So. I mean, jet lag's a killer. I think people really underestimate that, especially people who don't wear whoop. They kind of tell themselves they're fine. But when you can actually see it in the data, it's like really eye-opening. It's yeah. crazy. I went to, I flew to Shanghai last year and I was so tired and, um, or actually two years ago. And I woke up probably at eight, went down to have breakfast for like 30 minutes by myself and then fell back to sleep for a nap. At like nine because you're just so tired or last year when I flew when we flew to Evian we were rooming together I could not stay awake we probably flew in what in the morning and I was like my body you know when your body's like falling asleep but you're keeping your eyes awake and you're kind of like you're shaking you're, you're in shaking. pain yeah like your it's, body's in pain trying to stay up oh my god it's it's the worst and I feel like the older I get the worst I struggle with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys are going back on tour here shortly. What uh, what what's got you excited or nervous about the COVID nineteen moment? It's just like life as we know it is. It it's gone almost. You know, like one no fans is going to be weird. It's going to be like junior golf all over again. Um, the lack of just being able to like mingle with other players just just the normal stuff not being able to go to a restaurant i mean not that we like go to restaurants (laughs) we're not going to be able to room together really no because if she tests positive and i'm in that room i'm going to be out of right yeah yeah that's right but it's also the scary unknown like if you get it like you could possibly test positive for like a couple weeks like not being able like you could test positive i've heard up to about like three months and then what like are you stuck in that country or in that state or you know what what if you we're going to scotland what if we test positive in scotland they're not gonna let us leave well watch your respiratory rate i mean it's been a it's been a good data point for sure it has it really has in your recovery and when you see your hrv dip um i think the resting heart rate i think is really important to look at too because when you're fighting with something, or your body is fighting with something, your heart's working over time. And so you can really see, and that's what I found when I got sick, is just, I mean, 90 resting heart rate is so high. Just even in general, like think about it, you go for a walk and look at what your heart rate's at. Think about 90 laying down a lot. So it's, it's a great tool. I absolutely love using it. Um, and I just learned more about myself as not just a person but also as an athlete well this has been a a real pleasure i think the two of you are uh, amazing ambassadors for the world of golf and i'm sure an inspiration to a lot of young people out there as well who aspire to be uh, professional athletes or successful athletes so thank you so much for being on whoop and thank you both for coming on the podcast thank you we appreciate everything Thank you to Jessica and Nelly for coming on the Whoop podcast. We wish them a very healthy and successful return to the LPGA. A reminder, you can get 15% off a Whoop membership if you use the code WILLAHMED, W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D. 
Follow us at Whoop at Will Ahmed on various social media platforms. Thank you for tuning in.